Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. I have another guest to uh, present to you today. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Daniel O'Neill. I am just meeting Dr. O'Neill for the first time, but even in setting up this phone call, I can already tell that I just want to pick this man's brain and get to know him better. He's doing such important work. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I know of him and his work, his background and his mission, and I'll let him round that out as you get to know him as I get to know him. But he is a, uh, a doctor, he is a board certified orthopedic surgeon. And on top of that, he has added certifications in sports medicine. Now that's interesting because part of what makes him stand out from other people is that he's the only orthopedic surgeon that also specializes in sports medicine with a degree in sports psychology. So he does his clinical work, although he's just told me that he's kind of winding that down to work on some of his mission work that we're gonna talk about today. But his background is he's been a team physician for the U.S. Alpine Ski Team and the U.S. Ski Jumping Team. He still is involved in training rooms. You can see him at sporting events. But he has a real mission as he has seen and experienced and wants to change the landscape around kids, physical activity, the importance of staying regularly healthy, physical education in schools and our need as parents to advocate for some changes in in how we address the the disparity and how our kids stay healthy and fit and the responsibility that we all need to play as stakeholders in our in our kids health and and that that took a real toll during the pandemic did I it was that is that a good starting place to introduce you (laughs) I I think that's perfect I think that's perfect Uh, and I think you're your point is the most important point that 
everybody listening are stakeholders in this. This is this is truly a societal problem and, and truly needs a societal solution. So what did you see during the pandemic that that set off the alarm bells for you? I mean, I, you probably were already watching kids and, and health prior to that, but the, the pandemic seemed to have created a, um, a exacerbation of a pre-existing problem in, in kids and health. Oh, it, it was comical. And, um, you know, I had I'd written the book and then the pandemic came along and as we're ready to launch the book, and I said, this is either a great time to launch this book or a terrible time. And it was it was a little bit of, of both. The pandemic put a punctuation mark on everything that I had been talking about in terms of kids' health. And, and this is, again, not something that all of your listeners have not been seeing. Kids are getting fatter. Kids are getting less active. You, you've talked to multiple guests about the, the, the media problem, the social media issues, the two-dimensional entertainment issues. These are issues that absolutely everybody on the planet, anybody over the age of 30 sees this and sees this as a problem. So do you have any like shocking numbers? I love shocking numbers. Shocking numbers <laughs> just to like rattle people awake about how sedentary or how how much weight increase or health in, in indexes really yeah. shifted in in 24 months yeah right yeah and the numbers are crazy and you'll see the numbers there you know they're talking about like 20 percent and remember these kids we already had a 30 percent you know obesity rate and 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 then you add in the overweight you know the, the lesser category and that gets even higher and then they all added another five or 10 pounds during COVID, uh, uh, our kids. And it's just been extraordinary. And, you know, I, I think as, as one of, uh, you spoke with somebody on one of your podcasts talking about without the Zoom, where would we have been with COVID? And so the computer was our ally, it was our friend, but the computer has also been our worst enemy uh, along with this. So during COVID, now we're telling kids, yeah, you got to be on the computer more because we need to teach you. We need you to look things up and and on and on. So it's really been a, just an amazing, just an amazing uh, turn of events and such a horrible turn of events for our young people. I'm sitting here as an adult, you know, kind of feeling like I need to fess up so I don't, <laughs> so that I'm not a hypocrite. Uh, you know, I pride myself in being an active person. And when they closed my gym, and I didn't have the social component that motivated me to go work out, I realized I actually wasn't very good on my own. I really do rely on my whatever, my cycling group, my 7 a.m. Like, I didn't do so well individually. And I'm a grown woman who knows better. I can only imagine what that was like for eight and 10 and 12 year olds and for parents who had to figure out working from home, getting their kids online, uh, trying to survive the, the breaking of the social structures. Like, it almost feels like choose your battles. Why should I prioritize getting my kids out on a bicycle or to go, you know, be physically fit when I can, I'm just ripping my hair out. I can, I'm bracing my teeth. I can hardly make it through the day. I mean, I, I want to be compassionate to what parents went through, but how do we let them know that this is like a pillar that upholds so many other benefits? So here's the deal. This is the bottom line as, as everybody likes to say, 
you were blessed with a physical identity. Somewhere along the line, you didn't let your physical identity lapse. Okay, when you were growing up, you continued to play outside, you played with friends, and when you became an adult, you kept doing those things on some level, whether that was playing with friends in terms of yoga or in terms of uh, aerobics or in terms of a bike club, but you knew that I have to get outside, I have to listen to my primitive brain, and I have to commune with nature and commune with my buddies, but I've got to get outside, I've got to move. What's and 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 every creature is born with a physical identity. On the cover of my book, I have a, a little octopus, and uh, octopuses have physical identities. Bears, obviously, <laughs> we all have those videos. Dogs, you might no doubt at some point my dog will start uh, grabbing a squeaky toy because he only does it when I'm doing podcasts. <laughs> and so they have physical identities, and humans have physical identities. Any two-year-old has a physical identity and they are jumping and they're skipping and they are not sitting still. And, and what happens is, is we beat that out of them, but we don't just beat that out of them in, in school and, and with you know church and with relatives and your, your grandmother telling you to sit down and be quiet. But, but now we have this social media that's beating it out of them. We have television you know, on steroids and we have social media. And they all say, children, don't look outside. Don't commune with Mother Nature. You, we've got everything here for you. Everything is right here on your screen. Everything's on your iPhone. You don't need anything else. And that's what's happened. So what happens is, is that you lose your physical identity and then all is lost. Then it really gets serious. So to get your eight-year-old now who was a a six-year-old with a physical identity, and now after two years of COVID or, or, or so, to get them back out is a real tough problem. And if you think it's tough for an eight-year-old, try that with a 15-year-old and, and a 20-year-old, and you can't do it. Once physical identity is lost, that's where the real trouble starts, and that's what we can affect, and we don't have to let that get lost. Some of the numbers that you're sharing, you know, obviously you're down in New Hampshire, so you're looking at it from an American perspective, but I have to believe that Canada is pretty much following the same trend. And the, the numbers, the cost of being obese is not is far greater than just, you know, not feeling great about yourself and maybe having a low self-esteem because you're being called a fatty or bullied at school. Talk about the costs that these kids oh. pay over the over the course of their whole lives and what society pays for this. I, I love this, Allison. Thank you, because I, I have some new slides now in, in, in my talks and, uh, and showing in America, who pays the cost for medical care for a lot of children? The federal government. In America, who pays the cost for the school district? You, the district. Okay, it's, it's all localized. And so when we sit down at our annual meeting in, in March at our town meeting and at our school budget meeting, when they go through the budget and, and they say, okay, you know, who wants to have a new gym? Who wants to have a new gym teacher? Well, a new gym teacher is going to cost us $100,000 a year once you add in uh, their, their salary and their health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we can't afford a new, a new gym teacher. We can't afford that. But what's what what's happening to those kids those kids that that have lost their physical identity have obesity have diabetes have asthma have depression have anxiety then they go to the emergency room and we actually have a, a an, emer, a, an emergency 
in the emergency rooms in America right now where children with depression and anxiety are being warehoused in emergency rooms for literally weeks. And again, your Canadian listeners can 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 look this up. It's an incredible, crazy system. And um, but but th- the cost of that is enormous. But we don't see that as Americans. Most American taxpayers don't see that because it's in their federal and they don't have to vote on that at their school budget meeting. So the whole system is insane. And and I can tell you that doctors cost a lot more than PE teachers. Doctors cost a lot more than yoga instructors, you know, and 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 it's just amazing. And we're we're just we're just not going after the problem the way we should. You spoke with a very interesting uh, a doctor uh, a few months ago uh, from Harvard who calls himself a mediatrician, you know? And as much as I appreciated all that he's doing and what they're trying to do, it's not gonna work because they're working in the system that is broken. The system is horribly broken. And, and to, so to get back to your real question, yes, Canada has the same problem. I've, I've given these talks in Ireland. I'm give, I gave a talk in India because as soon as a, as a uh, society has some money, they then buy their uh, toys, they buy uh, 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 televisions, they, they go to movies and they buy snow machines and they buy things that are not good for their physical identity. And when it comes to children, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a, a true addiction issue and it's a worldwide problem. You know, and I love too that you know you when you were sharing about how some of these inequities and these arguments of we can't afford it, you know, we can't afford it. Well, hold on, you know, you pointed out the fact that schools seem to have money for like the elite, the elite sports, the elite kids that meet some criteria to 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 be their varsity thises or thats, and so this small hand-picked small group of kids do get all the funding they need for what they're doing. And then you have the masses of the rest of the population of the school who aren't even get, getting, you know, equipment at recess. You can think of it as the, the classic example of the 80-20 rule, right? Everybody knows about the 80-20 rules and, 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 it's a, and it works perfectly here. 80% of the kids are not playing elite sports. They're not playing the varsity sports. 20% are doing that. And that's where we're throwing so much of the money. And uh, in in my book uh, and the survey I did, I did a a nationwide survey in America, 86% of the school athletic budget is going to those elite kids. And by the way, it's not even 20%, it's less than that. And yet that other 80% has obesity, has diabetes, has asthma, has depression and anxiety, has these illnesses that are costing us a fortune. And trust me, Canadians, they're costing you a fortune. You cannot afford this. None of us can afford this. Uh, but that's what's happening, and the problem's only getting worse. Uh, and yes, we've got to stop putting that money into that 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 small uh, uh, elite group. The other uh, thing that I uh, talk about in the book is that, guess what? Except for uh, uh, very few football and basketball players, this idea of scholarships and 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 kids. Uh, benefiting from these, uh, they, they don't need that. The soccer players, the hockey players, Canadians can't afford to play hockey anymore. Canada cannot afford to play hockey. And and again, I know your your listeners have heard this. It's amazing, and and we've heard about it on this side of the border. 
because it's just so expensive. And so who can afford to pay hockey, play hockey, the, the people that can afford it. So the rich keep getting richer. So the kids that are going to be in the NHL in the coming 10 and 20 years are kids who are going to the junior camps who are, you know, who already had access. Those kids are going to find their way. They don't need any more help. The kids that need help are those other 80%. Yeah, this is where we just, again, one more example of inequity in health. And we, we see it in access to, to the sports, but also in um, um, people living in, in uh, food deserts. Uh, that it, should, it shouldn't be so hard to eat healthily. Um, you know, we, we, there's all kinds of things that are ch- hurdles and challenges for people that are living in minorities and in lower socioeconomic classes. And we paint the fingers at them and sort of say like, well, why don't you pick yourself up and get yourself busy? It's like, oh, the, the God, the deck is so stacked against you. And we all need to take some ownership that we are not being helpful to these people. And in the end, to your point, we all pay for it because we're paying in the emergency room. We're paying for lack of days at work. We're paying for society collapsing when we aren't looking after everybody. Right, I'm sure Canada has the same thing. Uh, There was a a big article in the uh, USA Today just this morning talking about the Indian Health Service and how our indigenous people are getting screwed by health for healthcare and for everything else. And again, as you say, that costs us on the other end, not having clean water, not having a, 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 a sewer, not having just the basics of life costs us so much money as a society. Why don't we put that money up front and, 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 and bring every boat up higher? Because that's what would happen. The poor communities in Canada and in uh, America get less. And as you say, so these kids that are already born behind the eight ball, let, let's give them a few more hurdles to, to see if they can get over that. And yes, do some of them do it? Yes. And then we make a big deal about that and, and clap them on the back and, and lob them and, 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 and give them medals. But, but that's a minority. The, the vast majority of these kids are not getting that. And the vast majority of so many kids are not getting that. And it's just these inequities, again, are costing all of us. And they're not just costing us in physically, but they're costing us, as you know very well, mentally. But they're also costing us, and and one of your guests talking about, in anger and in in, in frustration. And, And you know very well we have that on this side of the border, you know, way more than we would like. And, well, I've and, heard and, some and, Americans and, can get angry. <laughs> right. And, and Justin Trudeau is is trying to be the voice of reason and, and trying to do his best, but it's it's everywhere, this anger. And um and it's it's because the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. And it and it goes on every aspect of life. But here with this, by making sure kids have their physical identity. And the way we do that is to get them physical education at every school, every day of the year. If we can do that, we're going to raise their votes because we're going to raise their academic vote by being healthy. We know that healthy kids, kids that are, that come to school without breakfast, kids that are not getting exercise, those kids are not learning. They're not doing well academically. So again, and, and, and we already talked about the health issues. It keeps going. It's, it's just this amazing, amazing uh, vicious cycle that, that we're all in. And that when I say all, I mean a huge part of the globe. 
So in your book, we, we've mentioned your book, but I'm not sure we've actually said the name. So I want to make sure we'll, of course, put the link in, in the book. But it's Survival of the Fit. I mean, that was that that's the, the, the latest book that is encapsulating all these ideas. And but it, it is also not just the awareness sh- shedding the light on the problem that we're aware of here. And some people aren't. And I'm hoping from this podcast in your book that they are. But it's also a call to action that each of us does need to do something differently. So so where what are the starting blocks to say, OK, you know, you've opened my eyes. I get it. I don't like this. I uh, what what does the average family do? What does what does somebody do to lobby for change in their family, in their school, in society? How do we what are what's the call to action here? Right. It's really got to come from both ends. And and actually, I use the example of a school in Canada, uh, uh, a school for wayward kids. These kids have failed out of other schools and such. And then they started a, an exercise program with these kids. And lo and behold, you know, all the numbers, their behavior numbers got better. Their academic numbers got better. There is so much data to support this. There's There's nobody out there who could refute this. So what do we do? We start out at the grassroots. You start talking to your friends, your friends whose kids look like they're going to become addicted to dimensional entertainment. Any parent out there with a child who's two or three years old, whose child still has their physical identity, you want them to go to school and you want that to continue. And the way we can continue that is to make sure they have physical education, a high level, 45 minutes, getting burning energy for 45 minutes every day, in addition to the recess and, and, and the before school stuff, and and hopefully maybe some after school sports or whatever. But if we can do that, and guess what? The the Scandinavians are doing that with great success. They're not worried about competition. They're just worried about every kid getting out there and, and, and getting their heart rate up. And that stimulates their brain. And then they get into that math class. They get into that English class and that French class, and they're ready to go. And, and that's how it works. So that's number one. And get a copy of the book to your superintendents, to your administrators, to your local officials. Because again, the data is irrefutable. This is like tobacco in the sense that we have all the data. We had all the data. Tobacco was bad. We made choices and we made change. We have all the data on exercise. The other big point I want to make, this is a positive. We don't have to work with a negative. We don't have to say no to the kids. We don't have to say, you know, Billy, don't do that. Because what happens is, is if you have your physical identity, you have to go outside every day. Your primitive brain needs that connection with mother nature. So these children are going to put down that iPhone and they're going to get outside and they're going to play for Pete's sakes because that's what children know how to do. But again, once they get to that six or seven, that's when they start making those uh, choices. And that that seven-year-old realizes, you know what? I'm not a very good hockey player. I'm not a very good basketball player. So what do they have? But in, in 2022, they have that incredibly addictive screen in front of them. So we have to make those changes in kindergarten, in first grade and second grade. And, and, and that's what I'm asking people to do. In your school system, we don't need to have physical education for every kid every day, every year of school right now, because the, the, the 15-year-olds are going to hate it. But what we do is we do it in kindergarten. We're sneaky about this. And then we do it in kindergarten and first grade. Then we do it in kindergarten, first and second grade. And then if you tell a third grader after they've had, you know, a fun PE uh, activity every day, every year, uh, every day of school, 
we tell them in third grade, sorry, we only do this once a week. There's going to be a revolt. <laughs> the milk can be flying at the cafeteria. These children will not accept that because that's what they do. What do you mean? We're third graders. We play. We play every day. When we come to school, we play every day and we learn and we're, we're, we're ready to learn because our brains are ready to learn because our bodies are ready to learn. It's a body-mind connection. It's not a mind-body connection. It's a body-mind connection. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about the fact that schools are so uh, regimented around evidence-based, evidence-based, and we actually have the evidence, but we're still entrenched in old traditions. So the same way where it's like, you know, if, if uh, the first thing to go is recess because we're supposed to be teaching STEM sciences, reading math and, and arithmetic, and somehow recess is, is play and therefore devalued. And the same with sleep. You know, who cares? Sleep is the lazy time. That's a lazy man's journey. And we know that these things in, in research, they don't hold up. But it's our old thinking. It's our keeping to an old paradigm. And if they're going to say we need to be evidence-based, then they need to be willing to look at the evidence, damn it, and change their thinking about play, about recess, about exercise, about integrating a whole body approach, not just about doing your damn math lessons. Let me tell you something, folks, listening. Any research that was done before 10 years ago is useless because the world has changed. These computers, these iPhones have changed the world. They have changed your children. They've changed everything. And as you say, we in the last 10 years of research, everything points to what we're talking about. Everything points to the fact that we need to make sure these kids are addicted to mother nature and not to the iPhone. We need to get their heart rates up. We need, because they're not playing on their own. They're not doing things on their own because Silicon Valley is making sure they they hit their likes and they, they keep doing the things that Silicon Valley, Valley wants them to do. The problem is, is that the people that are making decisions are, are 50 and 60 and, and, and 70 years old, and they don't get it. They don't get the fact that these kids are addicted. They don't get the fact that it's a new world. Nothing about your world is the same. And, and there's not one person I talk to that doesn't say, you know, no 60-year-old says, yeah, I look at my grandkids. I don't think they're having as much fun as we did. They don't go out and play the way we did. They're, they're, they're pudgy and they're, they're, they're depressed and they're just not having fun. I guarantee you everybody in your audience is, is, is shaking their head up and down now if they're over the age of 40 because that's the way it was. We used to play and we had, had a great time and, 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 and things go better. And, and then, okay, so then you say, well, we played, but you know, that was then. No, that was also now because the human brain has not changed. Trust me on this one, folks. It has not changed much in the last 100,000 years. And we've got to keep doing that. We were addicted to Mother Nature 100,000 years ago. We were hunter and gatherers then. We're still hunter gatherers in our brains. And we've got to respect that. I, I'm excited for you uh, if you have the time to listen to another podcast that hasn't been published yet. It's somebody, it's a Canadian gentleman who uh, has something called Recess Guardians, where he's teaching 
kids how to be, take a leadership role in bringing play and games back to the schoolyard because kids don't know what to do at recess. And to your point, they put their heads down on the phone or it's the four people that are the four square masters and all these other people are like walking around like zombies and don't know how to reconnect. And he's, you know, taking that importance of just play, leisure play, that we don't have to be competitive where it's like if you go to swim lessons, you have to be the guppy and then you're the goldfish and then you're the shark and then you get the bronze medallion. And oh my God, anybody who's not, you know, elitist and moving along a trajectory gets so discouraged. And we've forgotten about leisure, leisure poetry, leisure painting, leisure badminton, leisure, you know, pick up hoops. We're, we're just, we got so disenfranchised uh, from uh, this, this needing to compete, do well, or this easy distraction on our phones, on these little walk around devices. And what a disservice how we've become so disembodied. Our young people have become so disembodied. So say so say again, the age, uh, tell me a, just a little bit more scientifically, because I think this group would, would be interested, your, your physical identity, how it gets formulated, by what year does it get baked, and what can parents do to make sure that they get that physical identity set up the way that you'd like them to as a preventative measure? Right. And, and, you know, just to, to take off on your point too, right? Adults, we have a lot to do with this too. If we're on our phones all the time, if we uh, let our physical identity lapse and we're not getting outside and doing things and we suddenly, for some reason, think that, right, answering those emails on a Sunday morning is more important than going out for a walk or going out for a ski or, or a skate. Yeah, we've got to look in the mirror. So as we talked about, Every child has a physical identity. Every baby is born running around, putting things in their mouth, smelling things, grabbing the puppy's uh, tail. And what happens is, is that, that, that you don't need to tell a kindergartner, you don't need to tell a five-year-old to play. Those kids will go to the schoolyard and they will play because that's what they know how to do. Now, hopefully they've been playing with kids. And then we're not going to talk about play dates now, which is so bizarre to me. Um, but the use, it used to be just play, but now we have to actually show them how to play. But that's a parent issue. And that's what you guys have talked about in, uh, in multiple uh, podcasts, which is great. But you let them play. And then in first grade or in kindergarten, you start introducing a little bit of, of, of some skills or, or, or this kind of thing. But it still is fun, fun, fun. And parents and, and, and PE teachers out there, beware of balls and sticks. And, and again, I know I'm talking to Canadians and uh, beware of sticks and pucks. But because as fun as they are and let the kids play with them and stuff, but it, it's got to be easy. So like gym hockey is, is a brilliant game because every kid can do it and you don't have the skates on. So it, it, it just, but every kid, and, and if, you, if you see the kids not playing, try to get them involved or, or get something that they are. That's why soccer is the biggest sport in the world. And that's why this autumn, how many billion people every day are going to be watching the World Cup? Because all you need is a ball. And in Brazil, you just need a ball, a tape, or ball, you know, anything that rolls. And, and kids know how to play. But what happens is, is that around the age of six or seven, they start to, uh, to, to, to lose that physical identity if you give them a chance. And then they're going to start what, what we call athletic identity and, and, and what uh, Britt Brewer talks about with athletic identity. Well, if I'm not a good athlete, if, I, if I'm not a good hockey player, a good basketball player, 
if I'm not an athlete, then what am I? I'm a non-athlete. Well, what do non-athletes do? They pick up the computer. And in the old days, if you weren't a great athlete, you still played. You still played pickup ball. You still built forts. You still rode your bike. But now they have this other option. And that option is calling to them like the siren call. And, and that's the difference between now and over 10 years ago. So these kids have this other crazy option. And once they're gone into that, but yeah, that, that cutoff point seems to be around seven. We can't let kids identify as, as, as you might know, that great study that they did about the Canadian hockey players, uh, the, the, the NHL players, it was in uh, one of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books. We talked about the hockey players tended to have birthdays in January and February, right? Because yeah. those are the older kids and they were better athletes at the age of seven. Well, some kids, right, haven't blossomed yet. And and uh, I had this discussion with a uh, uh, a 15-year-old uh, uh, soccer player now. She's at her soccer tryouts. She hasn't started her, her uh, menstrual period yet. She's behind the other girls in terms of maturation. And if she doesn't make this soccer team now, that's going to be the end of her soccer career. Whereas, but she's going to mature in the next couple of years. You know, they're not anything at that age. The Norwegians understand this. They don't let anybody rank their kids until I think at least the age of 13 or so. So they don't know who the best 11-year-old soccer players or hockey players or skiers are because they don't keep score. And that's what we have to start doing because again, that seven-year-old and, and, and again, parents out there be super careful about this. Your kid, maybe your kid is not a, a hockey player. Maybe they're a bike rider. Maybe they like hiking. They Maybe they like any other things, but we can't let them stop going outside um, because they're not playing organized sports. I love that. That Yeah. And, and so that family value of just staying active, move the body, find the thing they like to do, keep them going. Doesn't have to be part of these organized sports that, that groom hand pick for these top echelon people. Um, anything else you want parents to know that they could do to change this, this, uh, trend so that we make the world a better place. If we're all going to link arms and, and help your movement, what else can we do? I love that. So I uh, testified down at our state house. We introduced a bill in the state for this. It is dying in the state house now. But I had I, I I went there and I testified and I got an excellent hearing. And we'll introduce it again next year and and then next year. And you know this movement will will continue like that. So write letters in the book, Survival of the Fit. If you go there, there's also a website, survivalofthefit.net. You can download uh, letters and then you just fill in your particular information and get those letters sent out. You know, it's all email now. Get them sent out. But I would even recommend doing a, a, a paper letter because then the administrator and the principals are going to see them. But if you tell them, if you give them this information, everybody wants their children to do better academically, right? You mentioned STEM before. We all are a big deal about STEM. Well, when George Bush uh, uh, introduced No Child Left Behind, a, 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 a um, program America to improve STEM, where did that time come from? It came from physical education, just as you said. And what did our STEM scores do? They did nothing. You know, we're, we're struggling against Croatia, you know, with that. Then again, the, Can the Canadians are doing much better. But, but 
it's it's not, not that happening. Kidding, just so you know. <laughs> right, right, right. You can't but, rest but on our laurels, Canada. No. Not, right, right. Yeah, yeah being uh, being fifteenth uh, in the world is not uh, something to brag about. And and Ireland is the same way. You know, they they everybody's doing the same thing. All uh, for sure, all the English speaking countries are going the same way. And so, write send these letters out, and 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 parents, if you have these young children, this is your only hope. Your job, I'm sorry to say, one of your jobs now is to make sure your child does not get addicted to two-dimensional entertainment and make sure your child is addicted to Mother Nature. What you have working for you, though, is your child wants to be addicted to Mother Nature. Their brains are wired to be addicted to Mother Nature. So we just have to let their primitive brains continue to work. But do it on the grassroots. Do it in the parent-teacher organizations. And and, uh, uh, at the bottom, talk to your PE teachers. Talk to the people at the ball games, and also send those letters higher up and uh, to the to your provincial uh, uh, provincial uh, uh, governments, and and uh, and we can make this happen because it has to happen, because otherwise we're going to bankrupt our medical system uh, uh, with with children who are not just sick but but unhappy, and and that's I think the worst of it. You know, isn't there some? A uh, philosophical saying that says something about a measure of a society is how well it looks after, you know, those without a voice or what. I mean, I, I feel like it's it's our societal responsibility to look after those children who who, who aren't in a position to solve this independently. Uh, it's a it's a much bigger calling. Uh, it's a much bigger calling, and we all have a, a a piece in this. Is there anything that you wish that this audience would hear from you today that I haven't asked directly that you want to make sure that I don't uh, miss out on? No, I I really think we touched a, a, on a lot of uh, these subjects, and and I go into it, of course, in more detail uh, in the um, in the book. Uh, I I would end with with one thing. Um, Caesar, the uh, dog whisperer. Um, oh yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> the other draws a circle. draws a circle, and he cuts the circle in half. And on one side of the circle, he writes exercise, and he cuts the other side of the circle in half, and he writes discipline in one uh, 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 fourth of the circle, and then he writes affection in the other fourth of the circle. That's how you raise children too. You raise dogs the same way as you raise children, as the same way as you raise any animal. We need 50% of our of our growing has to be exercise, has to be with Mother Nature. And, and that's how we're going to grow to happy, healthy human beings, just like that's how we, we raise happy, healthy puppy dogs. And if you remember that uh, as parents, that's that's a huge part of it. Uh, if you're getting out and exercising and, and hiking with your kids, and obviously it's going to be good with you, but you don't even need to do it with them. Get them outside, kick them out the way every child over the age of 40 was done. Come back when the lights are on, you know, the street lights come on or come back, you know, when you're hungry or whatever. But, uh, you know, we didn't talk don't much about the people. house for God's sakes. You know? That's right. Exactly. And, uh, and all day cleaning. Get outside. Don't mess up my house. Right. It made my brother and I crazy because we had to dust and and vacuum the house every day before we got to go out and play. And that was eternity. And how dusty did it get, you know, in 24 hours? But that was our chores. And we had to do that, you know, among other things. But the deal is, is that we were just, we all you wanted to do was get outside. And we made up every kind of ball game and every kind of 
um, crazy thing to do and hide and seek and everything else. Kids know how to play, get them outside. It's not unsafe outside. It's a lot more unsafe in front of the computer and, and your kids are going to do great. I love it. I love it all. And thank you for all that you've done to get this message out to parents and to inspire them to champion this more uh, with more passion than maybe they have, because I think a lot of them feel like it's a, a losing battle. I think some of them feel that tech has won. And um, if you're going to choose your battles, you know, let's not make it that one. And I think you've really turned the story around to say, no, in fact, that's probably the big behemoth that we all need to be working harder for. And the evidence is just too great in too many domains that we can't not pay attention to this. So I will put up in the show notes the links to the uh, survival of the fit, the book and any other links. Take the last few minutes here to to give a, a, a good marketing pitch for, for what where else people can find you follow you buy you whatever great thanks so much yeah so survival of the fit.net we have all kinds of um information and videos and, and and things you can access and and interviews with uh interesting people um and again i i would i, I can't say this enough this does not cost us any money this is cheap this is allowing nature allowing your primitive brain to work what could be easier? We don't have to fight against uh, you know, big tech. We don't have to fight against big tobacco. We don't have to fight against uh, Frito-Lay and ultra-processed foods. You know, when I say that knowing, yeah, we do have to fight a little bit. <laughs> but if we give ourselves this armament, that armament of physical identity, that's gonna give us those powerful muscles to take on these battles. And, 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 and if we do it the reverse way, it's never going to work. But if we do it this way, it's going to work. And people are going to grow up healthy, making better food choices, making choices not to smoke, making choices to get outside and build bike paths and, and make our communities more livable and more fun and more social. Everything benefits from this. And at the end of the day, it costs almost nothing. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your time, for, for, for being really the leader in this mission of which I'm hoping that everybody that's listening to this has now jumped on following you. I just I really appreciate everything. I'll put all the links up in the show notes and, and uh, I hope we can return our activism to move your cause forward because you're really fighting for all of our children. So thank you. My pleasure, Allison. Anytime. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.